Our scripture reading, we turn to John chapter 8. We'll read the first 32 verses. John chapter 8, we begin at verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, So here we read of Jesus in the temple, and he's teaching the people in the temple. And then we read the scribes and Pharisees bring this woman that was taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee, Go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone. But I and the Father that sent me, 
It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury, as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. And said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he said, Whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So far we read from the, the scriptures and the passage that we read that we consider tonight is verse 12. Verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle John was guided by the Spirit to write at length relatively speaking, to write at length on some number of conversations that took place. One who had been there would have seen the, the opposition, how here Jesus was teaching and how people came and spoke uh, against him. 
And there were those that opposed him, and there was this back and forth between him and those that were opposing him. Earlier, we read of how he spoke to them about how he knew that they were seeking to kill him. And so from a certain point of view, to have been there, one would have been struck by the, the opposition and the fact that they really hate him. And here Jesus is teaching the truth, and they're really hating him and desire, and desire to kill him. John also was guided to consider the significance of the statements that Jesus makes in this back and forth conversation. And he speaks of the fact that he speaks the truth. He's the light of the world. And that one who follows him will not walk in darkness. Those who reject him will be in darkness. In the next chapter, we read of a miracle that Jesus performed that went with what Jesus said here, where he heals a man who was born blind. And that man is also guided, not only physically did, was he healed, but also he was guided to confess that Jesus is the, the Son of Man, that he is the Christ. John then later, after this event, John later was guided by the Spirit to write this book. And in the very beginning of the book, he speaks about how Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. That as he recalled statements that Jesus made about being the bread of life, being the light of the world, the resurrection and the life, and so on, the way, the truth, and the life. Recalling those statements, he writes in the very beginning of the book, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and so on. And in that very first chapter, he talks about Jesus as the light. In the verse we consider, in the verse we consider right now, he speaks of him, Jesus speaks of himself as the light of the world. And we consider that in connection with in preparatory, that when Jesus speaks of himself as the light of the world, it's bringing out that outside of him is darkness. And we live in the midst of this world of darkness. And that just as we read of the opposition to Jesus in this chapter, so we live in the midst of those that are very opposed to what the Word of God says. So that if you were to say, if you were to teach the same teachings Jesus taught, 
Very quickly, there'd be opposition and hatred. By many, not by all. There were those that believed repeatedly in the, in the narrative. You read of how many were hating him, and then there were also those that believed. We are to come to the Lord's Supper as those who believe. As those that have examined ourselves, who have considered our own sins, what we're like by nature, And we're also to examine our, our heart, whether we believe in this Jesus and believe the truth of the gospel that all of our sins are forgiven only for the sake of Christ's merits. That we're righteous in him. Jesus, the light of the world, is the one who opens our eyes. Anyone who believes in Jesus, if we believe in Jesus, it's because Jesus has opened our eyes. And we see. And in this text, it brings up the importance of us following him. Follow him. Follow him who is the light. Not to be deceived but to follow the one who speaks the truth in the midst of multitudes that are telling us and our children lies. Follow him who speaks the truth, what is reality, to follow him. And we have the promise here that those who follow him will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We consider this passage under the theme, the light of the world. We consider the light, the darkness, and the following. First, the idea that God is light, and Jesus refers to himself as light. In 1 John, Jesus, John, who also wrote 1 John, he speaks of this idea of light at the beginning of 1 John as well. And in 1 John 1, verse 5, he says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. He's the Holy One. He is light. We consider his glorious perfections. There's no darkness in him at all. In the prophecy of Isaiah, the idea that God is light is parallel with the idea that he's the Holy One. And the light of Israel shall be for a fire and his Holy One for a flame. The light of Israel, his Holy One, for a flame, and it shall burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. The Holy One who destroys those who walk impenitently in sin. God is light. 
Christ is said to be light. The Word, we sing about how the Word is a light, a lamp. So when we think of the light, we think of the Word, we think of the truth. That the Word of truth is a light that enlightens us. So you have that idea of the truth, and you have that idea of holiness shining forth the perfections of God. And the Old Testament spoke of the coming of one who is light. So as we consider Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, the Old Testament spoke of the one who was going to come, who was going to be the light. And it spoke of those who were in, in bondage. And in Isaiah 42, verse 6, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. And it's speaking of the coming Messiah who will be a light of the Gentiles. Well, what will the light, light do? To open the blind eyes. And that's, as we would expect, the idea of light. We need light to see. The light, the one who is the light of the Gentiles, which is the light of the nations. He will open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Now that connects being in darkness with being in prison. He will bring out the, the, the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. In darkness, in the prison house. Christ says he will, God says the Messiah will come, who will be, who is the light, who will open the blind eyes, who will set the prisoners free. Christ, who is the light, shines into us. The word of God shines, the word of God is put in our very heart. The light shines into our very hearts. The word of God is written there. And then by the preaching of the gospel, the word of truth that is the light, by the preaching of the gospel, the gospel that sets forth Christ and him crucified, by the preaching of that gospel, faith is worked into us. We grow in our understanding. He opens our understanding, as the scriptures say. Even as Jesus worked in that man who was born blind and to whom he healed, he opened his understanding. We read in 
2 Corinthians 4, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. You think of God saying, let there be light. That same God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts. Shined into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge. So there, what is the light? The knowledge. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That was 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. And one who has the knowledge of God has life. In the passage we're considering, it speaks of the, the one who would have the light of life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. One who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. When the light shines into us, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, well, one who knows God, one who knows Jesus Christ, has everlasting life. As we're familiar with John 17, 3, that says, this is life everlasting, to know God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Whom he has sent. That's what it is to have everlasting life. The light shines into us, his elect people. He causes us to know him. That's the idea of the covenant. In Jeremiah 31, it says, This is the covenant. I will put my law in their hearts, and they'll know me. He'll forgive us. I'll forgive their sins. We know him to be our God, and that we are his people. The light of the world. who delivers from bondage. He enlightens. He delivers from bondage. He has set us free. That he's the light of the world. There's many passages that, that speak of the idea of the world. Like when we read in the book of John in a number of places where we read of the, the world, it served to bring out that Jesus came as the Savior and he was going to save a people from all the different nations. As we read in the light of the Gentiles, he was going to save people from the nations. Jews and Gentiles, young and old, rich and poor. He was the light of the world. Those that were outside of him, those that were without Christ, 
would be in darkness because he is the light. And those who reject him are in darkness. And we see how that's in line, how that fits in with the context. Jesus is in the context talking about the light. He's the one that causes us to see and that those who reject him, if they reject the one who is the light, they will be in darkness. They will walk in darkness. In the end of chapter 9, Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And we understand that to be referring to the fact that those who by the grace of God confess that they don't see, that they see not, And God works that in a person, that they confess that they don't see and that they need the light. He came that they might see. But that others who think they see, and that they don't need the light, they might be made blind. And we live in the midst of a world where what's around us is darkness. There's no other light besides God, Christ. If somebody rejects Christ, they reject what he says, well, outside is darkness and bondage. Man by nature is He's blind. He's in darkness. This world is darkness. Ignorant. Does not have the true knowledge of God. Unholy. They're in bondage. And it's important we remember that when we read what they write. Now, of course, when we read and hear what the world says, I mean, we don't know about a specific person, whether this person is elect or reprobate. But we do, when we hear about the world, we do know as we hear what, the, what generally speaking, what the teaching of this world is, We know that man by nature is in darkness. And the danger is that we and our children, that our young people, start following what the world says to us that isn't reality. It isn't truth. 
They walk in darkness. We hear what they say. We, you can hear what they sing. What do they sing about? We see their, their views on sexual sins. What we know from Scripture are sinful. We hear how the world speaks of it. They'll speak against it if somebody forces somebody else to do something that they ought not. Or if an adult is forcing, forcing anyone, or especially if somebody's doing something to children, well, and rightly so, even the world will speak against these evils. But there's many sins that they will... They don't speak against them. If you want to do them, as long as two people are in agreement, fine. And trying to entice people. And today that very easily somebody can see how the world tries to entice us into sexual, sinful sexual thoughts. And to get us to, to think sexual thoughts that are wicked to view something that we ought not and so on that the world is constantly trying to promote this both to us and to our children and what a danger what a danger it is and we are very concerned about our young people, and you young people know that. And Lord willing, if in not too long you are adults and get married and marry in the Lord and have children, you'll remember the temptations that there were when you were young people. And the different ways that the world tries to get its message to you and to lead you astray. And you'll be concerned about your own children. And of course, today, there are so many more means to reach the young people that the parents, they didn't have that in their own, in the days in which they were young people. The same sins, but now there's so many different ways for the world to try to present its ideas the young people ways to try to do it in a ways that the, the adults wouldn't know and it's not only young people but we've heard of adults that have fallen into grievous sexual sins and have continued in them for a long time that we must constantly be on guard against that or the sin of drunkenness the world I mean in its drunkenness and they they go from they do delight to drink to excess they speak against again the world will speak about certain against certain things they'll speak against drinking in excess and then getting and then driving
At the same time, there's so many people in the world that blatantly drink to, to excess. It's important to let somebody else drive that's sober. But there's so much drinking to excess that goes on. And that's, again, that's not only with the young people. Although we speak against it with regard to the young people when, it's also, when they're also underage and they're not, allowed, they're not to drink anyway. But also when they become of age, the importance of not drinking too much. Now, the Bible does speak of a benefit of drinking some in moderation. Some choose not to do that, and that, that's fine. But the danger is, the danger is drinking in, mod, in, in excess. And the world talks about its parties and the drunkenness. And then they'll talk about what they did in the last party, and they'll talk about what they plan to do in the future. And we and our children must turn away from that. Say, well, that's what the world does. The world is darkness. That characterizes the world. Drunkenness, fornication, filthy language. That, that characterizes the world that's in darkness. We are to walk as those that are apart from this world. We often talk about the antithesis. And that's a term that in our history we've used a lot. The antithesis that has the idea of the exact opposite, that the world is walking one way and we're going exactly the opposite direction. There are those that are hearing what Christ says, which is the truth, and there are those that are teaching a lie. There's the light, and there's the darkness. When Jesus calls himself the light of the world, that's bringing out that outside of him, it's darkness. Now, the wicked are without excuse, even if they haven't heard the word of the scriptures. God has shown that there is a God and that he must be served and he testifies in their conscience concerning what's right and wrong. That was illustrated in this very passage here of those that were convicted by their own conscience. Simple man knows there is a God and that he must be served and they know, have certain knowledge of what is good and evil and are convicted by the testimony of their own conscience. They're without excuse when they continue on in their sin. And Christ, the, who is the light, speaks, who exposes sin. Many reject him, many Many hate the light. They don't want to be where the light is. Jesus, or rather in, in, in John chapter 3, 
We read in verse 19, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness. They love darkness. They love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Anyone who does evil, who wants to continue to do evil, hates the light. Neither cometh he to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. When Jesus spoke, he who is the light, when he spoke, there were many who hate the light and they opposed him and even wanted him dead. And Jesus here is teaching in the temple and there are those that want to oppose what what he's teaching and they're looking and there are people that want to look for opportunities to accuse him. Many reject the truth. Many walk in darkness. Another example of walking in darkness, and again, in John and 1 John, there's a lot of references to the idea of light. You recall in 1 John chapter 2, we talked about 1 John very chapter 1, it says God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. In 1 John chapter 2, he gives an example of someone in darkness. An example that's related to something that we read in our Lord's Supper form. Of how we're to come as those who have laid aside unfeignedly all enmity, hatred, and envy. The third part of self-examination, we're to come as those who can say we've laid aside unfeignedly, that means not hypocritically, all enmity, hatred, and envy. Well, 1 John 2 says somebody who hates his brother is, is in darkness. We talked about sexual sins and drunkenness. Well, this now, hating. Hating a brother. 1 John 2, verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother. So someone who says, if you ask him, are you in the light? He says, yes. Yet he's hating his brother. It says, somebody who says he's in the light but hates his brother, he's in darkness. Even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there's none occasion of stumbling in him. Think of somebody that stumbles in the dark. 
For one who loves his brother abides in the light. There's not occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness. He may think, well, I know, I know what the truth is. I know what the doctrines are that I was taught. I know the distinctive doctrines, which is extremely important that we do. But one who perhaps intellectually knows those doctrines and can prove them, but hates his brother, is in darkness and walketh in darkness and doesn't know whither he goeth. It's like somebody in darkness. He doesn't know where he's going, whither he goeth. Because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. And that's quite the warning. We're not to follow this world. We're not to listen to this world that encourages us to follow them. Those who walk in darkness would say, follow me. Don't be afraid. Follow me. We're not to follow them. We are to follow Christ. We're not to imitate this world. We're not to follow their example. We're to follow the example of Christ who is the light. Whose example do you follow? Whose example do I follow? I mean, with, that's a self-examination question for me, for you. Whose example do we follow? Jesus said, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. We're to follow Christ's example. We're to believe in him. We're to trust in him. We're to see the example that he sets for us. And he's told us, and we considered that this morning. He said, I've given you an example. And we're to follow his example. Old Testament Israel was to follow. You know, that pillar of fire and cloud, and now they were to follow. And that's an illustration. God would lead them. And it could be seen, this pillar of fire and cloud, you could see God is leading us. Well, if somebody says, well, how do we know how today? We don't have a pillar of fire and cloud. How do we see where he's, what, what we are, where we're to go, what we're to do? Well, God guides us. His word is a lamp. He teaches us. 
He who is the light, who speaks the truth, who is the Holy One, who delivers from bondage, he speaks to us, he leads us. And we're supposed to, we are to yield ourselves to him. To work by his spirit in us. In our prayer, in the Lord's Prayer, we say, lead us, we, we ask God, we say, thy kingdom come, the second petition. We say that means rule us. We want to be ruled by him. And we submit ourselves to him. Or when we say, thy will be done, we're asking for the grace to renounce our own will and without murmuring to submit to the will of God to obey him. That's our desire. God promises here that our Lord promises here, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. We will have trials. We will have some difficult trials. And God says to you and to me, many are the afflictions of the righteous. So we'll have many trials. And you and I don't know what the trials are this week or this month. But God says to us and promises us that those who follow Christ, in particular, shall not walk in darkness. Won't walk in darkness. So though we may be in a difficult trial, we won't be walking in darkness. The light will be with us. We will have the light. Those who are, follow, who are following Christ, we have the joy of knowing Christ. We have Christ. We have the light. Somebody who has the light does not walk in darkness. It's like the illustration of, of physical walking. If you have a light with you, then when you're walking, well, you're not walking in darkness. You've got the light. Well, if we have Christ, if we're clinging to Christ, if we believe in him, we have with us him who is light. And we won't walk in darkness. Difficult as our way may be, as the circumstances may be, even in the midst of the darkness of this world, like we considered not that long ago, Daniel and his three friends, younger men in Babylon. And you consider if that, you know, if one of those was your son, a young man, being concerned about your young son being in the midst of this ungodly world in Babylon. 
And we see how Daniel and his three friends stood firm, even when threatened with death. The three friends with the fiery furnace, Daniel later in life with the being thrown into the den of lions. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We are to come, Lord willing, a week from tomorrow as those who believe, who are sorry, who confess that by nature we're darkness, blind, we need Christ to enlighten us. We need the light. We're to come as those who are sorry for our sins and confess them. We're to come as those who believe in the Messiah. Those who are trusting in him and who confess that their salvation is by grace alone and it's not based at all on any activity, any activity that they've performed. And to come as those that are purposing, purposing to show true thankfulness to God in their whole life. May we follow the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the midst of this ungodly world, may we thank him, may we praise him, and may we ourselves bear witness to the truth to the honor and the glory of the name of our God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God and our Father, we are thankful, O Lord, for thy word of truth. We are thankful for thy word that is truth. We are thankful that thou dost work in us to see. Lord, forgive our sins. Many are the deceptions in our own day for us young and old. Strengthen us to turn away, O Lord, from sin unto thee, to follow, to follow our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the comfort, thankful for the promise. Lord, strengthen us, we pray, and strengthen our children. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.